Hello friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And this project is for us to work together through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You're welcome whether you're here for the very first time or you've been on this journey right from the very beginning. Please bear in mind that you can take part in this project at whatever pace that suits you. New episodes are posted every day, usually Monday to Friday, and you can choose if you've gone right to the very beginning to just listen to them in the right order, whatever pace suits you. Now today is a little bit different because if you've been with us all along, you'll know that today we've just finished 50 days spent studying the book of Exodus, which means we'll be launching off on our next season, which is going to be the Gospel of Mark. And if you're wondering why Old Testament, New Testament, that's the way I decided to do it. I didn't think that people would, or even I would find it difficult to stick with this if we were going to wait for maybe six, seven years before we even got into the New Testament and got to be introduced to the person of Jesus, so to speak, which is why I made the decision very early on to do alternate seasons. So we've done Genesis and we've done Matthew and we've done Exodus. So next on our list of our time together will be the Gospel of Mark. Now what I tend to do at the point of a big season break like this is not launch off onto a new season straight away midweek. So we've got a couple of days here, maybe three, which I'll put some bonus material in before we launch off on Mark on Monday. Just to give you a a background to what this bonus material is, I have a Patreon website, which is a place where people who have committed to support this ministry financially, anything from £2 a month, $3 a month, to a little bit more than that. Now on that place I put bonus episodes of just my thoughts, my musing and my preparation notes. And whenever I'm given an opportunity to sort of speak in these areas or just be involved in a discussion group, I do some preparation at trying to come into these situations and find a common ground or sometimes there's not a common ground, in which case an intersection point where I can try and bring and apply some Christian biblical principles into the area of thought that's been talked about. And those, either recordings of those live events or recordings I make of the notes I've done in preparation, I make available as bonus episodes. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm meeting with a psychology group, but I meet with once every three weeks, and we're going to be discussing the works of Jean Piaget. Other bonus episodes that I've made available on the Patreon are things like an overview of the life and theories of Carl Jung, a talk called Are People Naturally Good, which looks at a Chinese Taoist philosopher called Mencius, and look at how that sits alongside a Christian worldview. Also a critical analysis of Freud, Sigmund Freud's theory of interpretation of dreams from a Christian response, also a direct Christian response to Taoism, and some stuff in terms of philosophy, looking at a Christian apologetic around Aristotle's famous writing politics, also looking at the Stoic handbook, the Enchiridion, and also a Christian response to Crito, which was the famous lengthy dialogue by Plato, and also some notes I did in reference to the psychologist William James and his book Principles of Psychology and his other 
groundbreaking brook varieties of ridges experience. So these are all responses, apologetics if you want, a Christian perspective on all these things. So today is bonus episode which I'm dividing into three parts and it's looking at the life of this psychologist, groundbreaking in terms of child development thinking called Jean Paget. So the three parts that we're going to give you is going to be first of all just a factual overview of his life and his thinking and then episode two tomorrow will be a more critical analysis from a Christian perspective of his various theories and ideas and then finally third episode will be a pretty clunky recording of a Bible study teaching session I did about uh, six or eight years ago at a minister's meeting and then again at a church one evening where I looked at one of Paget's theories and applied it to the Exodus story, particularly the call of Abraham and his desire to, to see the seed of his generations come through as the children of God. And in doing that, I look at what, where one particular of Paget's theories sit in with that uh, foundational call of Abraham as revealed in the book of Genesis. So with that said, I hope you find it interesting, a little bit different, and I'll see you again tomorrow, I trust, on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now. Okay, friends, today I'm looking at the wife of Jean-William Fritz Pazet. Born 1896, died September 1980. And he's a Swiss psychologist mainly known for his work in child development, his famous theory of cognitive development, and his views on how we as human beings, obviously initially as children, learn, and how we attribute knowledge has been labelled genetic epistemology, widely recognised in all areas of thought today, particularly those of child development. These are my notes and thoughts in preparation for speaking at a psychology study group this week. Piaget was famous recognising and documenting, probably for the first time, from an academic point of view, the importance of the stability of the family group and the education of children. He actually became director of the International Bureau of Education, based in French, and, in, and he famously declared in 1934 that only education is, is the thing, that it is only education that will be capable of saving our society from possible collapse, whether that be violent or gradual. His theories of child development is studied in educational programs around the world to this day, and educators continue to incorporate his strategies into his teaching methods. So how and what of value of it can we learn today and where does it sit with the Christian worldview? He actually continued to hold important positions, not only in education, at what was called the Centre for Genetic Epistemology, which was started in Geneva in 1955, and he continued to direct that institute until his death 
1980. The impact that that centre had and the stuff that came out of it on learning in terms of education in societies and in schools across the world is seen as absolutely unprecedented by anybody else and it actually became nicknamed as the Peugeot factory for the number of pioneering educators it turned out. Now though Piaget wrote widely on many different areas and for many years his ideas really became hugely popular in the 1960s and it read to the whole emergence and the study of development, child development, as a sort of major sub-discipline within the whole field of psychology. His was really the first school of child psychology and child development. It's reckoned that by the end of the 20th century, that in this day and era, Paget, probably only second to a guy called Skinner, are the most cited psychologists in the modern era. So what I'm going to do to begin by today is giving you a quick overview of his personal life and his thinking before returning tomorrow to analyse his theories and his thinking from a Christian perspective. So in terms of his personal life, he was born in the picturesque town of Neuchâtel, which nestles in the heart of what is called the Francophone region of Switzerland. He was said to have a brilliant mind from a young age. He entered the world in the year 1896 and he was the eldest son of Arthur Paget, a very highly esteemed professor of medieval literature at what was a respected regional university based in Neuchâtel. His father married a woman called Rebecca Jackson, a woman of French origin, but also hailing from English descent through her Lancashire-born great-grandfather, steelmaker and industrialist James Jackson. From an early age, it was evident that our young Jean possessed an extraordinary intellect. Even as a young child, he was captivated by the wonders of the natural world, particularly biology. He had a really deep-seated curiosity and a passion for understanding the intricate workings of life. And he brought, from a very young age, a certain amount of acclaim to the community and the town in which he was born. At the tender age of 15, Jean had already made a name for himself in the field of zoology, catching the attention of many esteemed professionals through his remarkable publications on mollusks. In fact, some have claimed that it was at the age of 10 he was first offered as a, of a position of curator of mollusks at his local zoo. That have not been able to qualify, but what can be claimed and is documented is that his interest in zoology earned him such a reputation in his field that he had several scientific articles published on mollusks by the age of 15 in very respected journals and he was actually offered the curatorship of the whole zoo at the age of 15. He didn't take them up on it by the way. Yet amidst this sort of burgeoning scientific zoological career, an intriguing incident from John's childhood would leave a mark on his memory forever. At the age of 15, a letter arrived from John's former nanny, apologising for a lie, a false suit she had told his parents during the time that she looked after him as a very young child. 
she confessed to having falsely claimed that she had heroically repelled an attempted kidnapping of the three-year-old John from his pram. However, the shocking truth that he discovered that day was that the event never happened and no such kidnapper ever existed. And this revelation really intrigued, if what might say, troubled Jean. Because for him, he had a vivid memory of that event, but apparently that event had never happened. The enigma for him, the puzzle for him, and he would ponder this and write about it for years to come, was that how come he had such a clear memory of something that apparently never happened? It ignited an interest within him to unravel the mysteries of the human mind, the ideas of cognition and the development of memory. So through this events and the, the troubled confession of his nanny, the seeds of Jean Paget's remarkable journey were sown in those early teenage years. He had an insatiable curiosity and thirst for knowledge, which would drive him to become one of the most groundbreaking and important figures in the field of modern psychology. He is the one that can be reasonably said transformed our understanding of how children think and learn. Through endless research, he would become known as a trailblazer, shaping the very foundations of what is called developmental psychology and leaves his mark on that community and educators to this day. This memory of his nanny's fabricated tale served as a catalyst for propelling Jean down a path of inquiry that would shape his whole life and work. The story begins from an academic point of view with the influence of his godfather, who recognised Paget's insatiable curiosity as a young teenager and encouraged him to explore and go wider into any realm of philosophy and logic and thought that he thought of interest. Piaget's intellectual pursuits in the end very soon took him to the University of Neuchâtel, where he eagerly absorbed knowledge and was academically honoured with his critical thinking skills. This curiosity burned bright within him and pushed him to expand his horizons further. So he then ventured from the regional university to the University of Zurich, seeking new opportunities for intellectual growth. During his time at the university, Pazio's passion for understanding the human mind developed and he published two philosophical papers there that captured the essence of his thinking at that time. However, as he matured, he dismissed those early works as mere reflections of his adolescent thought, grounded more in philosophy than in the field of psychology. But it was during that period that Piaget's interest, by being drawn to the very popular theories of psychoanalysis at that time, began to take root and draw him into this burgeoning field of psychology, but in a more evidence-based way, perhaps, and some of the other famous psychologists from that era. Eager to share his knowledge and contribute to the education of young minds, Piaget relocated from Switzerland to the vibrant city of Paris, whereby he remained academically at any rate for many years to come. He f completed his studies there and actually landed a role teaching at the Grange Obel Street School for Boys, an interest led by the renowned Alfred Binet. Now, Binet, 
He's the man behind the Binet-Simon intelligence test, which is in fact the first formally recognised and applied IQ test used by the French government at that time. As fate would have it, Piaget's involvement in that school and as a research assistant involved him marking these intelligence chests of hundreds, perhaps thousands of children, and it would prove to be a turning point in his life. Because while evaluating the answers to the IQ tests, for want of a better word, they're sort of a proto-IQ test, IQ tests when they were developed later by, uh, by Beanie Simon and then by H.J. Eisenick, it became much more centred on logic, but at this stage they had a wider sort of remit. But what he noticed, and what intrigued him, was not the wrong answers in themselves, but because he began to notice consistent patterns of mistakes made by young children, and though the older children made other mistakes, they made different types of mistakes, or made the same mistake in a different way. And he also noticed that when approaching those questions from an adult's point of view, they managed to avoid making the mistakes in this way. This realisation sparked the beginnings of the radical idea in his mind that there was a cognitive process in young children that is entirely different to those of adults. Driven by this newfound information and this new perspective, Piaget would go on to produce a comprehensive theory of what is called cognitive development and applying stages to it. According to his theory, individuals, all of us, exhibit distinct patterns of cognition during various stages of development. This was a groundbreaking concept and would forever shape the field of psychology in our understanding of human intelligence. Up to that point, people thought children were just little adults and that they just grew by learning more and more knowledge, sometimes even drilled into them by rote. In 1921, Piaget returned to Switzerland and assumed the position of the director at the Rousseau Institute in Geneva, an institute overseen by the well-known Swiss neurologist, psychologist and educator Clapared. Piaget was no stranger to Clapared's ideas and he eagerly embraced and did research and developed the idea of that time of what was called intellectual groping, what we would closely identify as the notion of learning through trial and error in human mental patterns. And it was in the midst of this period that he found love and companionship. And as I say, he married in 1923, a lady called Valentine Chatney. And together they embarked together, working as a couple, supporting the development of their own three children, who it has to be said became an extensive part of Spézé's studies and appeared in most of his research from their infancy through to early teenage years. From 1925 to 1929, he served as professor of psychology, sociology and philosophy of science at the University of Neuchâtel, returning to his hometown. And then later in 1929, he accepted the challenge of director of the International Bureau of Education. And he would hold that esteemed position for nearly four decades uh, until he retired in 1968, and through that institute, many would say he shaped educational policies on a global scale. 
He passed away in 1980, leaving behind quite a remarkable legacy. But as per the, his own request, he was laid to rest with his family in an unmarked grave in the cemetery de Wah in Geneva. And though he had departed this world, his revolutionary ideas continued to shape understanding of cognitive development in the human mind and affects educators to this day. Jean Piaget's thinking remains significant today for several reasons. Firstly, because he pioneered the field of cognitive development and was the first to provide a comprehensive framework to understanding how children's thinking involves as they grow, and his groundbreaking four stages of cognitive development are still widely recognised today and used as a basis for educational practices. Secondly, his emphasis on the concept of readiness, suggesting that children should be taught specific concepts when they reach, and only when they reach, the appropriate cognitive development stage. And this idea continues to influence modern teaching methods, emphasising what we would today call individual-centred, person-centred learning. And thirdly, Piaget's research highlighted the importance of active learning through hands-on experience, trial and error, problem solving, how vital that is to children's intellectual growth. And these principles continue to shape educational ideas and approaches to this day. And also Piaget's finally, I, I would say, his emphasis on the role of curiosity, exploration and social and societal interaction action as being important in learning. All of this thinking and ideas still today resonate with contemporary theories that value what we would today I suppose call the holistic development of children. His legacy continues to influence researchers, educators, policy makers as they attempt to foster the best types of learning environments for children and intellectual growth. And that is the man and his life and his thinking. Just a basic overview, not much Christian thought or analysis at this stage, but we'll come back tomorrow and we'll take a look at his research methods, his influence on education and on morality, even where it spills over into ideas of philosophy and the importance of it in the development of artificial intelligence. And I'll try and critique those a little bit from a Christian point of view see where it sits alongside a Christian worldview and if any of his theories can be linked or used, utilised in our understanding of human development and the revelation of God throughout history as documented for us in the Bible. So with that said, I'll leave it there for the day today and I do hope I'll see you back here tomorrow. And don't forget, if you've got a minute, to visit The Bible Project at buzzsprout.com. Take a look at the episode notes page. It's there you'll find lots of ways to connect to this ministry, the socials and that. And also have a look at the new book I've got out. Bye-bye for now.